This epistle, written by the Apostle Peter, first chapter of, first verse of the first epistle, he will address it to being pilgrims and strangers, scattered. Uh, some have thought that that is just general all Christians. Well, New Testament Christians did not function apart from New Testament churches. That is God's design that His people will be gathered together in New Testament churches. Just as God has ordained that there would be homes, a husband and a wife, uh, for children to be reared in, so He has ordained and He has set in, per in place New Testament churches for His children, spiritual children, to be gathered in. And you are here today uh, following the Lord's instructions and that, that pattern. And it is in the New Testament churches where we are instructed, where we grow, where we learn. Paul in the fourth chapter of Ephesians will tell us that he has given, God has given gifts unto ministers that we might not be as children tossed about by every wind of doctrine, whereby that wicked and false teachers lie in wait that they would deceive us. Well, our lesson today, our message begins with chapter 2 and verse 1 of Second. Peter, and Peter is addressing that very issue, false teachers, false prophets. Do you think that we don't need a lesson on false teachers? Well, there were false prophets and false teachers in the living, in the days in which uh, the apostle was living in the first century, and uh, there are many today false teachers. Uh, you can turn the radio on or television or internet, whatever you get going on, and uh, you can just hear all kinds of garbage, false teaching, uh, coming. You are here because you have been given by God a heart to know the truth. And that's one of the things that you should be thankful for. The Lord said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, that is a blessing that God's people fail to understand the significance of it. As you look back, as I look back over my life, God has been pleased to give me certain guidance and direction and the knowledge of truth. I don't know anything because of my intelligence. I know what I do know that is right because the Holy Spirit of God has instructed me and taught us as He has you also. It hath not entered the the heart of man, the mind of man, what God had prepared for them to love him, Paul says, but he hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Whatever God, whatever you know of truth, thank God for it. Because God has ordained you to know that truth and to bring you under the influence and teaching of preachers who will teach the truth to you. And he has also given in your heart a heart that would grasp and lay hold of the truth. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Second Timothy and chapter, I'm sorry, Second Peter and chapter 2. Uh, Peter addressing this epistle uh, to the pilgrims and strangers that are scattered. He says in beginning or ending in verse chapter 1, it ends this way. Chapter 1 of Second Peter, the verse 21 says, For the prophecy, that's the revelation of God, came not in the old time by the will of men. And here is a profound statement that all of us need to grab hold of and understand about the Word of God. But holy men of God spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Spirit. God has given to us His Word. And the Word of God came to us by the Holy Spirit of God, by the vehicle and the means of holy men of God who wrote infallibly what God would have you and I to know and understand and to live by. Here is God's infallible roadmap. Here is God's infallible manual, how we are to live in this wicked world. Not what the world teaches us, not what the books and libraries teach you, but what God teaches us in his, from His Word. And so he ends that verse by saying, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, the Word of God continues on. The, the divisions by chapters and by verses, you know, that's not God-inspired. And so the thought goes on. But there were false prophets also among the people. Even in that day and age, when holy men of God were speaking by the infallible, from the infallible word of God, in holy, there were false teachers. Even in the Old Testament times. Now, I don't mean the writers. I'm talking about there was people who were going among the, the saints of God, the Old Testament church, uh, Israel, and they were false teachers. <clears throat> who was the first one? Who was the first one? And the role model and the pattern follows after him. And that is Satan who came to the garden. Now note what he did. And it's very significant. He did not make a frontal attack upon the word of God. He didn't say, Eve, this stuff that God said to you is crazy. Now he meant that, but he didn't say that. that you don't believe anything that God said. You just discount it and throw it all away. He didn't do that. He came in a very subtle way. The Bible says he's a very subtle person. And he came as an angel of light almost. And he came in a display of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, hath, hath God said? Hath God said? Now, friends, I cannot lay a, enough emphasis on that phrase because that is still going on today. The world is questioning the word of God and they're not doing it in an open frontal attack so much. They're doing it in a very subtle way. Well, uh, we have found some better manuscripts, and those better manuscripts will help us to understand the Bible better. No, they're not better manuscripts. That's a lie. Now, I'm speaking by the authority of experts, knowledgeable men who have studied those manuscripts, and I can tell you that the where you're talking about the, the Alexandrian uh, manuscript or the sciatic, uh, sciatic manuscript, founded the sciatic, uh, not sciatic, I'll get the right one, Sinai Desert, I'll get it right in a minute, who were there in a, nurse, in a monastery, uh, out of a trash can, by the way. Uh, those uh, manuscripts work, are they are fragments, they are manuscripts that have many faults with them, but because some authority says they were better. So now you have all these so-called translations out there, whereby they're based upon better manuscripts. I can tell you authoritatively, by the authority of men who are scholars, and by books that I have read, that what you have in your hand, the King James Version, is the most, the best 
English translation there is. It is the best. Now, if you want to read the Greek and the Hebrew, you can get a little bit more accurate translation, but you'll not get a better translation in the English than what you've got in your hand. And the, it all began with the questioning of doubting the Word of God. Westcott and Hort, who are the authorities that were by, who gave to us the Greek text that most of the translations are based upon, Westcott and Hort were men who themselves did not believe in the miracles that God performed. And they did not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. And they did not believe in the blood way of salvation. That's the two men, Westcott and Hart, who were responsible for giving us the manuscripts, the Greek text, that most translations are based on today. And they did everything and they could in a subtle way to give you a translation that denies the miraculous working of Jesus Christ. You will take those translations and put them side by side to your English and you'll find that there were many times that verses are left out, words are left out, and all of them raise a question to your mind, what does, what is the accurate word of God? Well, by God's divine providence, you have a translation here that is the best in the English for those of us who cannot read the Greek and who cannot read the Hebrew. Now, if you can read the Greek and you can read the Hebrew, and if you know five different languages, as the translators did who did the King James, and if you have gone through the training that they've gone through, you might be qualified to say, uh, well, there's an error here and there's an error there. Uh, there are some errors, but they're not errors that are critical errors. Now, but that's the subtle way. So in those days, there were false teachers, and they pattern themselves after Satan, challenging the word of God. And Satan came and said, Half God said. Well, you know the consequences of what happened as a result of that. And so Peter here says, there were false prophets. Well, you'll read in Jeremiah, the 14th chapter, verse 14. The Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Is this year 2013 that we're reading? No, that's Jeremiah. Jer God said to Jeremiah, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not. Now that's very important. If God sends a person, he gives them the truth, and he sends them to preach the truth. How do you know whether or not a man is preaching the truth? By the word of God. Not by so-called miracles that he does. Not by the crowd that follows after him. But whether or not that person is sent by God, you can examine the message by the Word of God. Remember those saints at Berea that they searched the Scriptures concerning the things that Paul preached in order to determine what Paul was saying was right. Don't hesitate. I encourage everybody to always examine the Scriptures whenever you're listening to a preacher and you will know whether he's preaching the truth or not. The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you false visions and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their hearts. What prompted them is the deceit of their heart. The number one deceiver in the world is Satan. And he is deceiving this whole world today. You are blessed by God because God has been pleased to 
bring to you the knowledge of truth, you are blessed by God not to be led by the arch deceiver, Satan. Our Lord warned us in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 15. He said, Beware of false prophets which come to you. Now, note, remember, which come to you how? Oh, they come to you. The devil comes to you wearing uh, that red suit and that pitchfork, and they come to you, and they, you know, they're, they're, they act like mean people and everything else in the world. They're, they're, they're the, no, come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are wolves. Inwardly, they are raving wolves, our Lord said. They, they're not kind wolves. They're there to destroy you. Matthew, the 24th chapter. There are, Matthew 24, and, 20, and uh, there are two verses. In verse 11, the Lord said, Many false prophets shall arise. And here's the sad thing. It's bad enough that there are false prophets. But in verse 11, he says, shall deceive many. Remember that. Shall deceive many. Thank God you're not deceived. How, why do you know you're not deceived? By the word of God. Matthew 24 and verse 24, the Lord said, There shall arise false Christ and false prophets. And shall note this, shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. They make a great show, a great display by miracles. Now, there's a lot of excitement going on up in Kentucky. Now, I like Kentucky. I was born just across the river from Kentucky. My dad's from Pike County, Kentucky. I have nothing at all against the state of Kentucky, but there was a lot of devil work going on up there in college in Kentucky. Why do I call it devil work? Because I'm reading the people who were there, who've been there, who've listened to the sermon, and here's what's going on. It's not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not preaching about repentance. It's not preaching, they're not preaching about the work of Jesus Christ. They're talking about the Spirit, and they are in trying to get people to have a spiritual renewal, and this has been taken up by the world, and so people from all over the world are coming to the excitement that's going on. It's called a revival. It's not a revival. It's the same false doctrine that's been going on through the world ever since Satan hath God said. And it's part of the charismatic ecumenical movement that is deceiving the world today, and the world today is following after this thing. You are blessed by God to know the truth. Don't be followers after what the world says, but be followers after what Jesus Christ said. Paul, look at the 11th chapter of of 2 Corinthians, would you please? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks to us about Satan having his ministers. He says in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, for for such are false apostles. Oh, (laughs) You mean there are people who claim to be apostles? Yeah, we've got them back in the year 2023. We've got men run around who claim to be an apostles. For such are false apostles, deceitful, underline the word, deceitful workers. What is a deceiver? A one who is a deceiver is one who is teaching you and saying something to you that is not true for the purpose of causing you to follow them. Remember that. They're telling you something that's not true for the purpose of getting them, getting you 
to follow them, to believe them. They don't want you to know the truth. They want you to believe their life. Deceitful workers, he says, <clears throat> transforming. That's a very important word. It means that they are going through, they masquerade themselves. That's what the word there is in the Greek. They masquerade themselves. Now you, at Halloween time, you have some little children, sometimes some adults, uh, come around to your house, you know, and, and they are masquerading themselves as skeletons and things like that, and they're supposed to frighten you and scare you, and you, you don't get, you act like maybe you're frightened, but you don't do it because you know the truth, what's really there. It's not a skeleton talking to you. Well, that's what these false teachers do. They deceive you by masquerading themselves as the apostles of Christ. Why, you bless your dear heart. I want you to know that I'm just such a, I'm, my heart's just so full of love, and I love all of y'all, and I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an ugly beast. But that's what we think. No, some of them are college professors. Some of them are preachers in pulpits. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Remember those 12 apostles that our Lord chose to be form, form, to formulate that first church? And out of those 12 apostles, there was one whom the Lord knew all about him. He knew his heart. He called him the son of perdition. He was a preacher. He was one of the apostles. He was baptized by John the Baptist. He made a profession of following after the Lord. They even trusted him so much, and I'm not saying anything against church treasures, but they trusted him so much that they made him treasure. And when the Lord said, one of you are going to deceive me, they didn't say, I know who it is, or that old Judas. No, I had no idea it would be Judas. But he was deceitful. He had a wicked heart. And he sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine such terrible crime? Therefore, it's no great thing. If his ministers, whose ministers? Satan's ministers. The devil has his ministers. Also be transformed, masquerading as the ministers of violence and wickedness and meanness. No, they are the ministers of righteousness. Oh, you're pharisaical. You get talking about people ought not do things. You get talking about sin. Well, you're just being pharisaical. No, they are the ministers of righteousness. Smiley Joel never talks about sin. No, he didn't want you to feel bad. He's always talking about how the good life is. The good life is following Jesus Christ. Ministers of righteousness whose end, now note this, whose end is according to their works. Paul warns us. Not only there in the 11th chapter, but look at what he says in, well, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I won't take time to read it. He warns about false teaching. In 2 Thessalonians, important you look at this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to see some, something here. Paul writing about wicked false teachers. He says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and beginning at verse 9. I'll start reading at verse 9 here. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Oh, I mean, this man has a profound vocabulary. He is a very intelligent person. This man knows. 
you know one of the richest men in the world? I'm not smart at all, and I'm not very highly educated. But this man who got owns Google, Bill Gates, you get reading some things that he is advocating and talking about, it's pure stupidity. But people and governments are flocking after this man. You know why? Because he got a lot of money. And so everybody wants to, well, whatever Bill Gates says, that's what we're doing. Lying wonders. With all, verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now note that, please. They received not the love for the truth. The difference between you and the world that's being deceived and falling after Satan is God in his grace and his mercy has given to us a love for the truth. We want to know what the truth is. We'll search it out. We'll read the word of God. We'll ask God to guide us. We'll pray. We'll take counsel from godly people. Because what? We receive a love for the truth. That's right the opposite of what the world is doing. I sat beside a man in an airplane one time who was an atheist. And we talked to He was a very educated man. He teaches biology in a university here in Alabama. And we had a very logical talk. And that's all it was. I talked to him about creation and he refuted everything I ever said. But what I knew what I was saying was according to what good science says. But no, he did not accept it. And we parted him denying, not believing what I believe. But it's not because I was so brilliant. It's because God had given to me a love for the truth. I have no problem believing. I don't understand all the mechanics of it, but I have no problem believing that in six days God created the heavens and the earth. I have no problem believing that he spoke and the worlds came into existence because I know who God is by God's grace and mercy. And if you know who the author of the book is, you have no problem believing the book. Note that. If you know who the author of the book is, you have no problem believing the book. I've got some books in my library that I wouldn't pass on to some other people, but I've got some books in my library that I know who the author is, and I take great benefit. Have been, been benefited greatly by those books because I know those authors to be good scholars and godly people. So they received not the love for the truth. Verse 11. Now note this. This is the sovereign God. Verse 11. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. When people persist in ignoring the truth, the conscience that God puts in the heart of every man. When, when people act in a depraved way and they are resolved to continue going on in that way, there is an act of God whereby he gives to them, he gives them over, Romans chapter 1, he gives them over to a reprobate mind. And they do things that are not natural. Did you hear that? They do things that are not natural. You know what's going on in this transgenderism? It's not natural. Little boys want to become little girls. It's not natural. I've reared boys and I've reared girls. I've had no problem with the girls wanting to act like, be like boys and boys being like girls. Now, you know, time they play together, so like that. But the fact of the matter is, I kind of hesitate to tell this, but when I was a young boy at home, 
My daughter, my sister was two years younger than me, and I didn't have a brother. And so you know how I got her to play cowboys and Indians with me and play cards with me? Sometimes I had to play dolls with her, and I would take her little teacups, and, and we would play dolls. And so I would play dolls with her one day, and the next day she played cowboys with me. Now, you know, I, I, I don't think it had warped my mind and my personality. I've got to warp mind and personality, but that, don't blame that on that. Unnatural, reprobate minds. <clears throat> they say, this is the issue about abortion too. They say we're concerned about women's health. No, they're not concerned about women's health. Those two issues are being motivated and they're thriving on the money market. That's all they're concerned about. And we'll say more about that in a minute where Peter says they make merchandise out of you. You see, if you take the money out of the trans translation of the Bibles, you take the money out of the abortion issue, you take the money out of this, trans this transgenderism, it would die because it's all motivated by the money market. They don't concern about the women's health. What they want is the baby tissues, and body parts that they can make more money off of. They're not concerned about this little boy and this little girl and their trans being male or female. Oh, they're not concerned about their psychology. They're concerned about the millions of dollars that the government is paying to promote this thing. That's the name of the game, folks. <clears throat> Paul warns us about false teachers. Now, verse 2, he tells us the characteristics of them. I've already given you some implications of them, what, what they are. Second Peter chapter 2, he says, <clears throat> well, let me go on and look at verse 1. Some more. I've tried to give you an exposition of what this verse is saying. I like to try to give exposition first and then make application of it. False prophets among the people, even as there are, shall be false teachers among you. Peter speaks to it about this issue of false teachers in a futuristic aspect. It's believed by the scholars that Second Peter was written prior to the book of Jude. You read the book of Jude. And the book of Jude is talking more about false teachers, present tense. They're already here. They are already functioning. Now, whether that's true or not, Peter speaks more about it from the aspect of this is what's coming down the road. This is what the future is. It's what we need to hear. There shall be false teachers among you. Hey, the bell go off, the light come on. There shall be false teachers among you. We got them over here in Starkville, Columbus, West Point, Aberdeen, Greenwood, California. No, got to be bad at all of them out there in California. That's got to be. We got them in Mississippi too. False teachers. There should be false teachers among you. Now note what they do. Who privately. Now that word is a very significant word. Who privately. <clears throat> Jude uses this expression. He says, who creep in. Jude, I'm reading in Jude, uh, 14th chapter, uh, verse 4. There are certain men creep in unawares. Woo! Get up. Get up in the middle of the night or a thief comes into the house. He creeps in. He doesn't want to let you know he's there. 
That's what this word privately means. It means to do something in a very quiet way. It also, this word privately means to come in beside of. Now, that's very important. I told you that Satan did not come to Eve in a frontal attack and have his fist up and his sword all drawn. No. It, let, me, let me put my arm around you, brother. Let me put my arm around you, sister. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit. I want, I come in beside you. That's what it means to come in privately. Our Lord said that they were wolves in sheep's clothing. They don't come in acting like a wild beast. They come in privately, he says, and shall bring in damnable doctrines, damnable heresies, not teachings, not doctrines based upon the word of God, but damnable heresies. Now, the word damnable simply means destruction, and it's the same word, the last word in verse 1. You have the word destruction. That's the same Greek word who bring in destructive doctrines. Brother Rogers, a contractor, you know all, you all know something about doing some carpenter work or whatever you're going about doing. Some of you are medical people. And if you read a book that tells you to do things in a certain way that you know that's not going to work, you cannot put this building together by just building it on sand. We know from the Word of God that what's going to happen about that. There are books written, instructions written that are as damnable as giving you a manual to drive a car that's going to lead you into an accident. What if you got a manual and you picked it up? Now some of you young ladies and some of you young people, I mean to say, you don't know anything about this, what I'm talking about, shift, a shift, a car with shifting gears in it you got to have a clutch in it and so someone gives you a manual that says now here's how you drive this car this pedal over here is a clutch and this no here's the brake and this no here's the clutch a gas pedal now the way you can drive this car is you push down this gas pedal and you hold it down you get to where you're going to go don't let up on it till you get to where you're going <laughs> you know where you're headed destruction accident <laughs> you know all of you know, no matter whether it's an automatic or manual transmission, you've got to let up on that gas pedal sometime or other. You've got to release the gas, push the clutch in, or put the brake on. If you just hold that gas pedal down, you're headed toward destruction. That's what they bring in, damnable doctrines that are, lead you to destruction. Oh, one drink won't hurt you. Just one little bit of this dope won't hurt you. You don't have to listen to what the preacher says and what your mom and dad says. You don't have to listen to them. Where are you headed? The Word of God says there's a broad way in which that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Now, that's talking about eternal destruction. It's not just talking about hitting a brick wall. It is a brick wall, maybe, but... Talking about eternal destruction. Bringing in damnable doctrines. Heresies. You know what heresies are? Now the Greek word for heresies means a choice. 
Don't you like that word? A choice. <laughs> oh, boy. We like Everybody got a will. Everybody got free will. Make whatever decision you want to make. Why, yeah. Exercise your will. You can be whatever you want to be. It's all up to you. It's your choice. Get in that car and set that car go as fast as you want to go. It's your choice. It's up to you. Do whatever you want to do. Drive it however you want to drive it. It's your car. Here's the keys. Your choice. <laughs> you know where you're headed? Well, if the policeman doesn't catch you, you're headed towards hitting a tree somewhere and heading towards a wreck. Destruction. You better listen to the manual. Heresies are based upon self-opinions. Well, I think it's this way. Well, my opinion is this. Well, it, uh, no, uh, everybody, is, everybody likes it this way. The Lord said, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination unto God. Now listen to that. That's what the Lord said. Matthew 15, chapter, I believe it is. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Well, now listen. What's wrong with same-sex marriage? Goodness sakes, what's wrong with you, preacher? I mean, you're not kind and nice to people. Aren't you? You're crazy. Everybody thinks it's all right. Well, my opinion, as long as they love each other, well, that's okay. That's what most college kids are saying today. It's what most high school kids are saying today. It doesn't make any difference whether you get married or not. Just go in and start living together. That's your opinion. And you have every right to your opinion if you want to. Except that God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. You see? God says, thou shalt not kill. Well, what's wrong with abortion? God says, thou shalt not kill. I heard a man the other night talking about this very issue, and I appreciated what he was saying. He's on YouTube. I don't know who it was or anything like that, but he was being interviewed, and he was talking about lifestyle. And he said, in order to understand the proper lifestyle that brings peace, joy, and happiness, you need to go back to Genesis, the second chapter. God created male and female. Male and female created he them. And that's the truth. And whatever God calls you to be in the womb and that you were born with, that's what God ordained for you and purposed for you to be. And just because you take some pills or somebody does some surgery on you doesn't change that one bit. You're still whatever you were formed in the womb. Well, that's just your opinion, preacher. No, it's based upon the Word of God. And that's why people need to take the Word of God as being the authority. You see, and that's word. This word heresy. It comes from choice, selfish opinions. I want to read what W. E. Vine says about, about that word. Here's what he, W. Vine says about this word. He says choice, a different, a different opinion. Well, now my opinion is this. Now my opinion is just as good as your opinion. Well, that's right. But there's one opinion that's most important. That's what God says about it. A different opinion, especially. A self-willed opinion. I've got to have my way. It's got to be this way. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. Which is substituted for submission to the power of the truth. That's a hard thing to acknowledge. I didn't always believe in using wine in the Lord's Supper. My parents thought that was a terrible thing to do. That was their, how I was reared. The awful thing in the world 
was you to take the wine, take a drink of alcoholic beverage or whatever. And I wasn't about to take any used wine in the Lord's Supper until I come to the knowledge of the truth. I wasn't in favor of election. I never voted for it, and I didn't like when I heard about it, and I objected to it very much. It seemed like it was very selfish for somebody to say there are some people who were elected by God. But as I read the Word of God, my self-will and my opinion became nothing. I had to submit to what the Word of God said. And that's what we as God's people have to be doing all the time. All the time. It doesn't stop because you become a church member or you become the preacher. It doesn't stop. You have to constantly be examining your opinion, my opinion, in the light of God's Word. That's the roadmap. That's the, it's not what others say. Bringing in damnable heresies. Now note this. Even denying the Lord that bought them. Now there's a lot of discussion. All the commentators will go various one way or the other about this. The Armenian commentators, that's those who believe that you can have salvation and lose it. The Armenian commentators will say, well, this is people who got saved and who were born again and they came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and then later on in life, for some reason or other, they deny the Lord and they lost their salvation. And that's some commentators. The other ones, I call them the Calvinistic. Now, we're not Calvinists, but understanding those who believe in God's sovereignty and so forth, they will say, well, these people were never truly born-again people. And so they, den they deny the Lord. Well, that's, that's true. But what is the truth about the matter? Well, I'll tell you what my opinion of this and my understanding of this is, and I'll give you Scripture for it. This is natural Israel. Now, let me give you some Scripture for it right real quick. Heresies <clears throat> about denying the Lord. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now, here's what this word means. It means to contradict, to disavow, to reject, and to refuse. Matthew 16, the Lord used the word. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You understand what that means, to deny yourself. Let him deny himself. It means to totally put one down. Now, our Lord... The Word of God will help us to understand. Exodus chapter 15, verse 13. Moses speaking. Here's what Moses said. Chapter 15, bring you up from your Bible history. They've come through the Red Sea. Song of Moses, the 15th chapter. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto the holy habitation. Thou hast redeemed thy people. That's the word that is used. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8. Because, because the Lord loved you, Moses is speaking now, beginning in Deuteronomy, and you know that's the second law, so the latter years of Moses' life, he is rehearsing some things to Israel. He says, because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, hath the Lord bought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you, out of the house of the bondman for the hand, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, when we read the word redeem, when we talk about redemption, we talk about, we think in our minds, immediately they were talking about salvation. That term is used by the, in the Bible for God bringing Israel out of the land of Egypt. Why? 
because he bought them with the sacrificial lamb on the night of the Passover. And he reminded them of that. And he saved them out of the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy the ninth chapter. I pray therefore unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people thy inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast bought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Now, not brought, but bought, because they were bought with the price of the sacrificial lamb. That's true in Deuteronomy 13, 5, Deuteronomy 24, 18, Deuteronomy 32, 6. God is speaking to Israel by the mouth of Moses. He tells them over and over again, I bought you. First Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 21. Moses, or the writer of Chronicles, probably Samuel. What one nation is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving nations out before thy people, whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt land. Isaiah the 43rd chapter and verse 3. I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Hosea chapter 7 and verse 13. Woe unto them that have fled from the destruction unto them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet have they spoken lies against me. Micah chapter 6 and verse 4. For I brought thee out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Now, we established that God says in his word that he bought and he redeemed the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He uses those two words. Now, in Acts chapter 13, Peter is preaching. Acts 13 is after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And here's what Peter is preaching. Acts uh, chapter 3, brother, and verse 13 and 14. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up, and here's the word, and denied him in the presence of Pilate. Now note that word. It's significant. It's what Peter is charging Israel with doing. Him being delivered by the determined counsel of God, you have taken him with wicked hands, have crucified the Lord. That's chapter 2. In chapter 3, he is speaking to the Sanhedrin. And he said, you denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. You remember Peter's, Pilate said, I've washed my hands, and whom would you have me to release? But they denied the Lord. Peter says, you denied the Holy One, the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. National Israel, not all Israel, but national Israel denied the Lord. The false prophets had the impact on national Israel and they said, this is not the Messiah. And they denied the Holy One. And so this is what Peter here is talking about. Now, Peter says, <clears throat> they denied the Holy One that, that bought them. He's not talking about redemption and salvation. He's talking about deliverance out of the land of Egypt. We as a nation have been bought also. USA, we have been bought by the blood and sacrifices all the military people who have died and fought for our liberty. We have been bought by their precious blood. The blood, sacrificial animals died to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt. They've been bought. 
We are a bought people. You and I are bought people. Peter will tell you, or Paul will tell you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What know you not that you're not your own? You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your soul, in your spirit, which are the Lord's. Now, <clears throat> Peter is describing these false teachers, and he says they had a knowledge. They knew the history of Israel, what God had done for them. In spite of all the good things that God had done for them, they denied the Holy One of Israel. And you know the history of Israel was they took to themselves false gods. In chapter 2 of Romans, Paul uses a word that applies to us also. In chapter 2 of Romans, he says, Or despisest thou the goodness of the Lord? Despisest thou the goodness of the Lord? <clears throat> Let me get to verse 4. Chapter 2, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? America, we are a nation that God bought with the blood of saints of God who died that we might have the liberties that we have and the freedom we have. And now we as a nation are listening to false teachers, not all of them preachers, but, but false politicians whose ambition and whose goal is nothing more than to make merchandise out of us. Preachers. I was looking at a list of the 15 richest preachers in America today. Oh, me. $300 million, the richest one. $300 million. You know where the money came from? Poor people. Poor people. Dollars. Five dollars. Through the list. Smiley Joe, if I'm not mistaken, he's about $10 million. He's not the top one. He's about the fifth one, I believe. Preachers in America getting rich off of lies and they make merchandise off of God's people or off of people. Now that brings me to the next issue. I've talked about Israel. I want to talk about us. I want to talk about us. Denying the Lord who bought you. Oh, Christian people don't do that. Now just wait a minute. Peter, who wrote this epistle, denied the Lord three times. I don't know the man. Let me ask you a question. Do we not deny the Lord when we put self first over the Lord? You have denied the Holy One of Israel. If a man will come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. Uh, let's go to something else, preacher. Don't we deny the Lord? Do we not deny the Lord when we fret and worry about things? Do we not deny his sovereignty and his good providence? Do you not believe Romans eight twenty eight and the other verses of Scripture 
that God is in control of all things at all time and work of all things after the counsel of his own will. That's not just Romans 8, 28, folks. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the hot potato. But God works all things. I could take you back through the Bible and talk to you about some people who went through some bad situations. I could talk to you about Paul. Paul was cast into prison. Paul and Silas were in prison because they'd been preaching at Philadelphia. And you know what happened while they were in prison at midnight? They're singing, praising the Lord. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I know what I think ought to be done. I've been said, oh, me, Lord, what happened? What went wrong? Nothing went wrong because there was a jailer there that had to be preached to. And a church was established at Philippi. Where did it start? It started with Paul and Silas preaching in prison, singing. But unless things are going exactly the way I think they ought to go, I get fretful. I do. I get prepping. I ought not. Because we don't believe and trust God to work on all things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When we are not at peace, regardless of what our circumstances may be going on in our lives, we are denying the Lord. We deny God when we question his book when we don't live according to his word now none of us live perfect lives no i admit that i'm i'm the number one person i don't say i'll conform to everything i i want to and i try to and strive to and i pray god will help me and i pray ask you to pray for me that i'll be more conformed to the word of god but the issue in our all of our lives is more like jesus would i be conforming to the word of god and when we are not we are denying the Lord that bar us and we're despising the goodness of God we are denying the Lord when we deny the doctrine of election and predestination now all of us deny the Lord before we were regenerated all of us don't put that say I, well I never did well yes we did Ephesians chapter 2 will tell you we were dead in trespasses and sins and we walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the earth the spirit that now worketh and children disobedience that's our course all of us we're having to deal with that now we still have that old nature we have a new nature that we don't want to be like that but we still at times are influenced by that old nature and like peter who denied the lord we are at times pressed and circumstances and we say well i don't know what the I don't care so much what the Bible says, or you just don't say that openly because you say, well, I got to do it this way. Like Abraham, God told him he was going to have a child and a long time between him and Sarah having that baby. And so Sarah says, I need to, we need to do something else. So you go into my handmaid and you know what happened. Ishmael was born and Ishmael has been a thorn in the side of Israel ever since. Whenever we ex resort to human efforts and reasoning and opinions, we are always going to reap to ourselves problems. Denying the Lord, not only when we lived in sin, but even as Christians, we deny the Lord. And our commitment to his hymn and to his 
work. His work. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works that God had before ordained that you should walk in them. All of you have a vocation in life. If you don't have one, you're going to get one. You better get one if you don't want to starve to death. Mom and Daddy kick you out of the house. We have a vocation in life. That vocation requires you to come under the discipline and training and be responsible to that vocation. That's, we understand that. You don't get paid if you don't work. In fact, what the Bible says, that he don't work, let him, don't let him eat. That's get serious. Same is true about the Word of God. It's not take it up, pack it, pick it up, and leave it. It's not do what you want to do. It is, as Paul said, be you followers of me, even as I'm also a Christ. The Lord said, take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't mean that you have to go to the foreign mission field necessarily. Well, yes, sir, right. Well, we're going to go. Nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you have to become a preacher. But that means that you're alive is submitted to and surrendered to, and that's what the Lord said, if you will follow me, take up your cross and follow me and deny yourself. It's not determining for yourself what you want to be, but what does God want us to be? What would God have us to be? Now, that's a hard lesson to answer, and I can't answer that for all of you, but I do know it's personal responsibility and accountability that's involved. I believe in the doctrine of accountability. I believe in God's sovereignty. I believe that God works all things after the account of his own will, but I also will tell you, I believe in the accountability of God. He that hath ten talents, he is accountable to God to use those talents for the glory of God. You have only one talent, don't take it and hide it somewhere. God gave you that one talent for the divine purpose that you might be an instrument to be used in the kingdom of God. If you don't use that one talent, if you know the story, the Lord came and reckoned with his servants and he took from the man who had only one talent and gave it to somebody else. You say, well, that doesn't sound right. When the man refused to put it to use, he was violating why why the master gave him the talent. There's no person who doesn't have any ability to serve God if you're a child of God. If you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you, and God tells us in His Word that we individually are temples of God, and we are to glorify God in our bodies and live a life pleasing to Him. That's not just for preachers. That's accountability personally to all of us. And when we don't, we are denying the Holy One of Israel. Well, I'll tell you what I think I'd like to be. I know, I've heard that hundreds of times from young people. And the reason why young people have that mentality and say that way is because their parents have not taught them, you need to seek the Lord. In all thy ways acknowledge the Lord, says the writer of Proverbs, and always in all thy ways acknowledge the Lord, and he shall direct thy paths. We can heap a lot of guilt on the nation of Israel. But I want to tell you, folks, Christians in every century, in every day life, since the days of our Lord, Christians have had to deal with this issue, whether it's me or the Lord. 
whether it's what I want or what God wants, whether my life will measure up to the standard of God or do I use the world as a standard to go by. Your conduct, your language, your behavior is to be, as a child of God, a witness of God's grace in your life. That's accountability. And that began with the day of regeneration, when God spoke to your heart and made you to be a new creature in Christ Jesus and gave you a heart whereby that you love truth and righteousness and you hate wickedness. And if you really hate witness, if you really hate wickedness, you don't want to be associated with it. Abstain from all appearances of evil, the Word of God says. Our Father, we pray for all of us. We need your spirit. We need your help, your strength. Oh, Lord, forgive us of when we have denied you, maybe not in a verbal way, not in an open way, but by our conduct, times and our thoughts how we have denied the Lord may you bless us Lord that we would serve you faithfully enable us as a church here to be a witness in this community of God's grace bless us all in our daily lives that we might manifest the grace of God in Christ's name I pray and ask it amen amen number 442 in your hymnal please if you would We'll stand and sing, number 442. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Roger.